of the apocalypse. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll pass around the offering bag. And tonight, if there's a need in your home, your life, just lift up your hand and I will remember you to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we recognize that you always respond to faith. And Lord, these hands being lifted up to you represent, Lord, men and women who have placed their trust, their hope, their faith in you. Our God who will not and cannot fail. You have the world in your hands. You have an agenda for the nations. And Lord, you have a destiny for our lives. And for your children you have promised. Thus saith the Lord, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. Now, Lord, I pray, meet that one who's reaching out to you right now at their point of need. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. We'll pass it around and uh, uh, let's let it end up uh, here uh, with uh, Mike and Amy. And uh, 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 what we'll do is... Uh, you guys can hand it to me. You're the closest to me. And uh, that way uh, we won't have any confusion here tonight. Amen. The rider of the red horse, the horseman with a large sword. Revelation 6, verse 3. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. The color red, would you write that down? The color red in ancient times was always connected with war and bloody conflict, the color of blood. For instance, for the ancient, as they looked in the heavens and saw the planet Mars, the color of Mars appeared to them as red, hence the god of Mars, the god of war. Very good. The red horseman represents, write it down with me, worldwide warfare as the true character of the Antichrist will be revealed as he expands his kingdom for the purpose of worldwide domination. Yes. You see, he's going to start off, the Bible says, this is revealed in Daniel chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 13. He will first start off with a kingdom of ten nations that exists along the same boundary lines of the ancient Roman Empire. It will be a revived Roman Empire, the Bible says. You need to read the book of Daniel and Revelation in concert to understand this. There is one entity that has arisen in our generation during the 1990s where we have witnessed the greatest national transfer of national sovereignty in all human history. What is this superpower that has emerged in our generation? Anyone know? along the same lines, boundary lines of the ancient Roman Empire. The European Union, the greatest, think of it, voluntary transfer of national sovereignty to one central entity. It's never before been witnessed in all human history. 
It is the United States of Europe. And I am convinced it's the fulfillment of a biblical prophecy in Daniel chapter 2, Revelation 13, that uh, these are the ten toes of the image spoken of, that ultimately the Antichrist will be ruling over ten regions of worldwide power, and that the United States of Europe, the European Union, will become the paradigm, the model, the platform of nations coming together to form one entity. Uh, and, but that's a whole nother night, and, I, and I'm getting on a bunny trail. I'd better get back uh, to my notes. In John's vision, the people kill one another. I want you to see that. The time of this is the midpoint of the seven-year Great Tribulation, when nations will begin to rebel against the Antichrist as the Antichrist will do what Charlemagne could not do, what Bismarck could not do, what Napoleon could not do, what Adolf Hitler could not do. All those conquerors sought world domination, global domination through military means. The Antichrist who is coming will achieve global domination not through military means, but through economic means. Again, that's a whole nother lesson. That'll come up when we teach on Revelation 13. He will be the first true global dictator. But they will fight against him for global control. That This will not come easy. Daniel prophesies of this. That's why we see the red horse, the rider on the red horse. War will come. And he will. the mask of peace will come off as he, like Adolf Hitler, and that's what we taught on last week, looking at the parallels between Hitler and the coming Antichrist. And he'll be the world's worst nightmare. While the world is looking for peace and looking at the Antichrist to be their Messiah of peace, the mask will come off and he'll be the world's worst nightmare. No peace, only war. The red horseman is the culmination of Jesus' prophecies regarding war. Matthew 24, listen to what Jesus was asked. Listen how Jesus answered. His disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus said you will hear of what? Wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now verse 8 is key. Verse 8, circle that or underscore it in your notes. That is key to understanding. All these are the beginning of what? Birth pains. It could be argued, point A, that there's always been war. There has been. So how could war be a sign of the end times. However, the difference is Jesus pointed to war as a birth pain. Mommies, what do we know about birth pains? <laughs> as you approach the birthing, what can we say about the birth pains? They become more intense. They become more frequent. And they last longer in duration. 
That's what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus was talking about all the signs of the times, he's talking about an acceleration, uh, a greater frequency, a greater intensity, a longer duration of these events. The second seal of the red horseman, write it down, horsemen of war will bring the earth to the edge of annihilation, annihilation, with the release of doomsday weapons beyond anything ever known in history. Weapons that you and I as the public know about, the unleashing of weapons we don't know about. Just imagine the weapons of mass destruction that have been developed since World War II. Chemical, biological, nuclear weapons. And again, those are just those that we're aware of. The coming future global wars will be beyond description in the Holocaust that they're going to unleash. Revelation, when you read the Revelation with these type of 21st century eyes and understanding, you're going to see a world so gripped in the death struggle of war and global Holocaust, it'll bring the world to the edge of annihilation. I mean, we can imagine the, 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 the release of doomsday weapons that have been developed in black ops projects that uh, uh, seem to be the stuff uh, of science fiction and fancy. Part two, hearing the hoofbeats of the Red Horseman. London's Independent on Sunday newspaper reported recently on the mathematical probability for the end of the world scenarios. How about uh, what are the odds the world will end by natural causes like the Big Bang? 50 million to 1. Uh, the human race will be wiped out due to overpopulation, 25 million to 1. Odds the human race will be wiped out by pollution, 1 million to 1. Uh, conquered by aliens, that's my favorite one, uh, 500,000 to 1. Odds that life as we know it will be destroyed by climate change, 250,000 to 1. Uh, drought, 100,000. Uh, famine, 75,000. Anarchy, 50,000. Uh, asteroid, 10,000. Uh, disease, 5,000. Odds that the human race will be annihilated by war, 500 to 1, the most likely scenario. Let's talk about the birth pains of war. Let's get uh, uh, practical. Let's get real here. Our generation has witnessed, as Jesus prophesied, the progressive, the progressive fulfillment of the rider of the red horse like no other. I want you to think of what our generation has witnessed what our generation is witnessing as you just watch tonight's news. Number one, I want you to consider seven facts. I wanna, I'm going to give you a proposition here. Seven facts. Number one, in all of recorded history, the world has suffered 13 years of war for every single year of peace. Fact number two, since 1945, the pace has increased tremendously with more than 300 wars being fought in the past 71 years. Fact number three, the war atlas records that since 1945, 
Not one single day has passed without the waging of some sort of war or conflict somewhere on the planet. Fact number four, the standing armies of the world today contain 32 million soldiers. Yet with complete war mobilization, these nations could field armies of 570 million troops. Which nation would have the greatest lion's share of that? Very easily, China. That's right. But fact number five, this year, this year, over $1 trillion will be spent around the world on weapons and military forces. Number six, over 150 million people have died in the past 100 years due to war and its aftermath. What was the total population of planet Earth during the life and ministry of Jesus? 200 million. So you can imagine in the, in the eyes of the prophets of old, when they saw a vision of the book of Revelation, as Jesus looked ahead 2,000 years, the fact of 150 million people dying. I mean, that was almost the entire planet's population in ancient times, the days of Jesus. It was horrendous. Fact of world history. Nations have never amassed the weapons of war without using them. It's a fact of world history. And past behavior is the best predictor of future performance. Yet the worst wars and conflicts of the past will pale in comparison to the horrors that the prophets and the book of Revelation outlined to us coming in the future. Write it down with me. Many prophecy scholars feel it will be the fear of global holocaust that will usher in the Antichrist to world prominence as a peacemaker. There'll be a war-weary planet that's looking for a savior, a messiah. Uh, I'm not taking any political sides here because I can't do that. I'm not taking any political sides here, but let me just say this. <laughs> Let me just say this. We had a presidential candidate uh, back in uh, 07, 08 that uh, came on the world stage or the national stage promising peace, prosperity, hope, and change. Hope and change. Okay? Uh, and a recession weary an economically weary nation embraced it wholeheartedly you wait till there's a war weary planet that is looking for someone with great oratory eloquent skill as we described last week to be able to promise peace and prosperity and have the plan to do it and integral to the plan will be the mark of the, you got it. That, again, that's Revelation 13. It's easy to get ahead. 
at this point. Prophecies revealing nuclear holocaust rather than earthquakes. Now, this is, is really important. Point A, many of the Bible's prophecies dealing with global destruction perfectly describe the aftermath of nuclear holocaust. I come from a long line of pastors and preachers. Both of my grandfathers pastored 50 years each. Both of my grandfathers, when they read these prophecies of the Bible, interpreted them as earthquakes, volcanic eruptions. And then, 1945, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, and a whole host of prophecies all of a sudden were amazingly revealed. And that's just what the Bible says. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 12 that it will be a last day's generation that will be able to discern the prophecies, that they were sealed up until that end times generation. That generation would be able to discern the storm that was fast approaching. For instance, Joel chapter 2, verse 30. This is the Pentecostal chapter. Acts chapter 2 quotes Joel chapter 2. But at the end of both Joel 2 and at the end of both Acts 2, what do we read? I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. Ever hear of nuclear winter? And the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Second Peter, let's go to the New Testament, chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Do you know which day a thief is going to rob you? No. The heavens will disappear with a what? Roar. That, circle that word. Roar. Exactly what happens with a nuclear expo- explosion. The elements, the elements will be destroyed by fire. Only happens when you have a nu- when you have nuclear fission or hydrogen fusion that is hotter than even the sun. And everything in it, the earth and everything in it, will be laid bare. That's just a sampling. I'll give you more tonight. In fact, there's literally dozens of prophetic scriptures. Uh, most prophecy scholars now agree describe massive nuclear exchanges in the future. How close are we? How close are we? Let's look at it. We're here to encourage you tonight. In 1945, the nuclear club was an exclusive club of just one. Who? The United States. Write that down. Today, today, The nuclear club has a membership of 15 nations with more than 30,000 nuclear warheads. Eight are declared nations. The United States, Russia, China, France, United Kingdom, India, Pakistan, and North Korea. We'll come to that later on. There's one undeclared nation. Israel. Under NATO, were you aware of this? Under NATO nuclear weapons sharing, the United States has provided nuclear weapons for Belgium, 
Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Turkey to deploy and store. States known to have nuclear programs, Iran, I know that's a big news flash for you all, and Syria. Write it down. Despite new nuclear arms agreements between the superpowers, the United States and Russia, we are closer, closer to nuclear war now than we were in the 1950s and 60s. Russia's nuclear forces, you need to be aware, are well paid. Russia's nuclear forces are controlled. When there was only two superpowers with nuclear weaponry eyeing each other, there was a standoff, there is control. Now we have a host of nations, including Muslim nations, that uh, could detonate uh, nuclear bombs. That's why we're far, far more dangerous now than we were during the Cold War, the terminal generation. I want to remind you we've come a long way since the advent of the A-bomb. A long way. A one megaton atomic blast. Look on the screen. Is a mere firecracker compared to the massive H-bomb. A hydrogen bomb, you know they use an atomic bomb to ignite a hydrogen bomb. A hydrogen bomb creates a great noise that instantly atomizes everything in a two-mile radius. Everything in a two-mile radius vaporizes. For the next eight miles, everything catches fire instantly. For the next 35 miles, radiation breaks down and the earth is good for nothing for 100 years. Our scientific knowledge, write it down, our great, great scientific knowledge has so far outpaced our morality that we have even perfected the cobalt bomb, the most lethal weapon known to man, the cobalt bomb. Look on the screen. A cobalt bomb is made by placing a cobalt-59 metal around a hydrogen bomb. By this simple operation, the destruction capacity of the hydrogen bomb is doubled. The radioactive contamination is tremendous. Scientists have dubbed it the dirty bomb because it produces so much more fallout than a normal H-bomb. I want you to know that there are strong implications that the opening of the sixth seal, we're at the second seal tonight, that the opening of the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6, same chapter, is nuclear holocaust. Now listen to the vision. Is this an earthquake or is this nuclear holocaust? Where would you go? Where would you run if all of a sudden there was an earthquake? Now read the vision. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. 
the whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll. What happens with a blind on your window? A shade, a window shade goes up. Rolling up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth. Where would you go if there was an earthquake? Where would you run to if there was an earthquake right now? Inside or outside? Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. How could an earthquake affect the atmosphere and change the color of the sun and the moon? How could an earthquake make the atmosphere seem to sound with a boom? Like it rolls up with a scroll. When a, an, an atomic bomb goes off, it's like lightning that creates thunder. The atmosphere is split. It's the coming back together that creates the boom. Uh, why would people hide in caves and among the rocks of the mountains in an earthquake? It's the last place you want to be. I submit to you, you're, you're reading how a 2,000 you know, an ancient person of 2,000 years ago, they're seeing a vision of nuclear holocaust. And the closest thing that comes to their mind is earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. Point B, atomic bombs can produce a temperature of 150 million degrees Fahrenheit in a nanosecond. 150 degrees Fahrenheit in a nanosecond. Under such conditions, the atmosphere is rolled back on itself by the enormous blast that it uh, produces. It's this violent return into the vacuum that causes much of the destruction in a nuclear uh, explosion. However, uh, again, uh, one megaton nuclear blast is a firecracker compared to the massive H-bomb. Revelation 16, 21, from the sky, huge hailstones of about 100 pounds each fell upon men. Critics of the Bible used to scoff at that. They would point and say, see, Revelation is just the stuff of, uh, of, of symbolism, imagery, uh, apocalyptic genre that is to be viewed as biblical science fiction. Look at the screen. From past experiments with H-bomb tests, researchers discovered that the enormous blasts compress and push humidity into the upper atmosphere. This humidity compressed into a large quantity of water is quickly frozen into huge chunks that fall back to earth in chunks of over 100 pounds. Zacharias prophecy is now understood as well the prophet Zechariah is another great chapter to read along with the book or the it's another great book to read along with Daniel and Revelation Zechariah 14 verse 12 Zechariah described it as a plague what he saw but read the his vision 
This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought or come against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Again, my grandfather's generation of pastors and theologians could not understand this vision. How could a person's uh, a flesh be consumed while they're standing on their feet? This is exactly the way a neutron, a neutron bomb works. A person hit by a burst of radiation leaves only a skeleton within a, how much time? One nanosecond. One millionth of a second. How could Zechariah have known of such a thing 2,500 years ago? Read, go back tonight and read that whole chapter. Because Zechariah says that all, you see, a neutron bomb kills only people and animals and leaves buildings and equipment untouched. And that's just what you read in Zechariah 14. Equipment is left untouched. It's flesh that's consumed. Listen to the sobering words of Dr. W.H. Pickering of Caltech. Dr. Pickering said, and I quote, in half an hour, in just 30 minutes, the East and the West could destroy civilization. This world, I submit to you, is on a collision course with Armageddon. Write that word down, Armageddon. According to the Center of Defense Information, so far there have been 96 serious nuclear accidents, each one bringing us one small step closer to nuclear Armageddon. When you consider the number of nuclear chemical biological weapons in the hands uh, of today's political leaders, you can understand the viewpoint of one nuclear scientist. This nuclear scientist was asked by a reporter, a news reporter, to predict what weapons would be used in World War III. Think about it. What weapons will be used in World War III that's coming? The nuclear scientist hesitated and said this, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what will be used in World War IV, rocks. <laughs> Civilization is, is gone. Yeah. Part three. I've been anxious to get to part three. The Prince of Peace. A world gripped by fear. The scriptures foretell that one of the signs indicating the second coming, one of the signs indicating the second coming will be a world gripped by fear. You would have to be a moron to watch the news tonight and not understand that our world is gripped by fear. They just said it on NBC News tonight. People are now afraid to go shopping, go on the, on the metro, uh, go to sporting events, go to church. People are gripped by fear. 
Jesus said in Luke 21, 26, that in the end times, the end times, men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. What can we say about our generation? What can we say about our generation that has lived since 1945? What can we say? We are the first generation with the capability. What a great thing to be proud of. We are the very first generation in all of human history with the capability for the very first time to annihilate ourselves. This is what our great knowledge has brought us. We're the Armageddon generation. We're the generation the prophets foretold. Point B, will America, will America, will America be exempt from the coming nuclear destruction? Many of you have hung out with me for years in Bible prophecy. Many of you re remember me reporting in the past. Uh, and and I, I was quoting, quoting, quoting scientists, quoting experts in the field, quoting, for instance, uh, the prime minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, how Iran is going to going to Iran is going to develop ballistic missile technology missiles capable of hitting Jerusalem missiles of capable of hitting Europe missiles capable of hitting New York City it's no longer might or or, or maybe it's here they've got it now and the big thing now is this great deal that we've struck with Iran is when they marry a, a, a nuclear warhead to their ballistic missile technology. And, and you need to understand that Iran is a theocracy. And their religion teaches them that they're doing uh, Allah a great service by ushering in Armageddon. Do you know that they're searching, looking for their own Mahdi, their own Messiah? When we consider point C, that Muslim nations like Pakistan either have nuclear capability or have the potential to obtain it like Iran, when we consider that Osama bin Laden, when he was alive, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and now ISIS have all called upon one billion Muslims to join in a jihad against the West, our, our worst fears are becoming a, a reality. Uh, United States officials say ISIS could try to procure nuclear material, just radioactive material. That's all they'd have. Just go to a hospital and get spent radioactive material and, and just contrive a crude uh, kitchen-made explosive device but explode that radioactive material and, and you've got uh, a dirty bomb radioactive material spread over a very wide area creating unbelievable panic just this week just this week just this week north korea write that down north korea has threatened nuclear destruction on south korea and who else the united states don't put your head in the sand Look on the screen. North Korea warned it would make a preemptive. What does preemptive mean? 
no warning, and they would have the first strike. They would launch a first strike. They would make a preemptive and offensive nuclear strike in response to the joint U.S.-South Korean military exercises that began Monday of this week. That's from CNN. Point E, do you realize that atomic scientists who are the keepers of the famous, write this down, doomsday clock, doomsday clock. Have you heard of the atomic scientists? This organization came about in 1945. They have what's called the doomsday clock. Based on world conditions, they move the hands of the clock closer or further away from the midnight hour. What is the midnight hour for the doomsday clock? It's doomsday, the end. Listen, and I quote from the January-February issue, we stand at the brink of a second nuclear age. Not since the first atomic bombs were dropped in Hiroshima and Nagasaki has the world faced such perilous choices. North Korea's recent test of a nuclear weapon, Iran's nuclear ambitions, and the continued presence of thousands of nuclear weapons in the U U.S. and Russia are symptomatic of a failure to solve the problems posed by the most destructive technology on Earth, end quote. I have a video clip I want to share with you right now. What would happen if there was a nuclear attack on Washington? We set Linda. Just a second, Ed. Again, we're here tonight to encourage you. We ready yet? You all set? Yeah. Yes? Washington, D.C.
Bureau, the Capitol Building, the Supreme Court, Library of Congress, National Air and Space Museum, all within a half mile. Go on. Okay, Ed. Give me my lights, please. We're the generation hearing the hoof beats of the Red Horseman. A fearful world is calling for peace, peace. It'll be a fearful world which will crown the Antichrist as the ultimate answer to peace. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, now brothers and sisters about times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. By the way, the phrase day of the Lord isn't a good thing. The day of the Lord speaks of the great tribulation. There will be no true peace until the prince of peace shall come. Confronting the spirit of fear. What spirit of fear are you confronted by tonight? Watching nuclear bombs on pastor's TV. <laughs> are you confronted by the fear of failure? I want to remind you tonight that God doesn't manufacture junk. Write that down. He doesn't sponsor flops. Again, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has made no plans for your failure. Are you haunted by a fear of rejection or loneliness? I want to remind you, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. The Bible specifically says, neither famine, peril, or sword <laughs> can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I will never leave ye. I will never forsake thee. Lo, I am with you always. Amen. Are you haunted by a fear of poverty? I want you to be reminded who your provider is. The psalmist said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. Hallelujah. Are you haunted by the fear of the unknown? Like terrorism. Nuclear warfare. I want to remind you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Becky and I were stopped at a light, and she said, look, and, and there, yeah, palm reader, little palm reader, you know, you know, what drives the insecure to go to a palm reader or read their horoscope, huh? The fear of the unknown. The Bible says that in the twilight zone hour uh, of Armageddon, the Bible says that Christ will descend from heaven with a shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We don't know about tomorrow. But we know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. But maybe you're haunted by your past. Forget about your past. God has. <laughs> I said God has. There's one thing that God cannot do. Well, there's a few things that he can't do. I want him to preach it one day. One of the things that God can't do is remember your past when it's under the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Perhaps you're haunted by the pressures of life. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. You need to get up every morning. And if you didn't find your name in the obituary column, you need to rejoice and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Finally, are you haunted by a fear of death? Turn your eyes on the one who's conquered death. That's what this Sunday is all about. Amen. Paul the Apostle said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen. Stand with me tonight, and let me speak blessing over you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Speak blessing upon you. Amen. I like what the old preacher said when he preached on Easter weekend. And some of you might be experiencing this. The preacher on Good Friday said, it might be Friday because Jesus died on what day? Friday. It might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. You might be going through a Friday right now, but hear me in this, Sunday's coming. And we know, we know who holds tomorrow in his hands. Be encouraged. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak your divine favor, your blessing upon one and all. Lord, you said that even if we would walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Let us go with that confidence tonight that you have this little world in your hands. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Love you. God bless you. Go with God.